Welcome to the CEO Life Insights Podcast. Join us to uncover firsthand stories and insights from top executives, entrepreneurs, and disruptors. Gain unparalleled access to the pivotal moments that have sculpted their personal and professional success. Freddie, how you doing, man? Doing all right. How are you, Josh? Great. Appreciate you taking time. I know you're traveling from uh, Florida up to D.C. as you have uh, multiple offices, but we appreciate you taking time just to share, uh, as always, with insights. It's what do you do and what can we learn from you? So thank you for taking time. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great. You bet, man. Freddie, what do you do? Uh, what gets you up in the morning? What yanks you out of bed? What puts that smile on your face? What do you do? Well, I'm a financial advisor. Uh, I own a firm called Opta Financial, founded it. Uh, have a team of great advisors on it, and uh, uh, you know we're looking to do things a, a little bit differently than the run-of-the-mill financial planning practice. Uh, not that we say anything that anybody else is doing is wrong. We just uh, wanted to be uh, our, our practice to be a little bit more focused on uh, on wealth building, uh, not just you know managing money. Though of course we do that as well, uh, but really focused on the how to how to help the client um, advance their lifestyle, uh, whatever that means to them is, uh, you know, is, uh, is relative, of course. You know, Freddie, when we, when we first talked and I got to know uh, what you did, I, I thought it was interesting when you talk about the difference between um, retirement planning and you hear people say this all the time, you know, what do I need to do to retire at X age? And I think what I found so fascinating about your point of view was, was you said, what do I need to do to, to create wealth? And I want to just say that's different than how do I get rich, Freddie? I think those are oh, yeah. different concepts. But 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 so let's talk a little bit about kind of your philosophy and how it's a little different than the than the average. I think this is just interesting in general. Yeah. So the the average uh, very drastic. I think everybody now can agree on. It. I think we're the, that is there, and I'm very fascinated by that. Uh, and it's you know I want why right? Why is it? Why is these two lines completely separated now. It doesn't look like they're converging anytime soon. Um, and uh, it, it building wealth is, I think, the big differentiator because some people are just saving money, kind of doing the traditional, I don't know, cookie cutter financial planning. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so it's, and other people are doing other things differently. And so I've kind of likened this whole like concept to the checkers player and the chess player. So it's, it's just a way for people to wrap, easily wrap their minds around it. Um, and it's not, I want to preface this, Josh, by saying there's nothing wrong with playing checkers, right? It's, it's not like you're doing something wrong. You're just playing a, a completely different game than what the wealthy are playing and they're playing chess. And that is, in my opinion, a big reason why those, those two, uh, the lines are, you know, dividing right. um, over almost, you know, every decade, it seems to be getting worse. Right. We want to focus more on how how do we build wealth? It's not like how would we retire in 30 years? It's how do we improve our wealth right now? How do we retire now or within, uh, you know, uh, a certain number of few years? Because the retire retiring, uh, you know, way down the road, um, you know, I call it the uh, the golden wheelchair um, <laughs> idea, where you're going to save all this money, and you're going to make a lot of other either people or corporations or 
financial institutions remember rich along the way um and at the end of it you by the time you actually get to that number that you want you may not be physically able to enjoy it and i think it really uh this whole idea of compound interest now compound interest is not wrong it's math right but i in my opinion it's oversold to the middle class mm. reason being that it just takes too long with the traditional savings to be able to get to a number that you're well financially stable or even financially free right if you live 900 years like yoda did compound interest would work just fine because is that the, by your court. rule 72 is that that concept of it, any, the rule 72 is any inter, you take an interest rate and you divide it to 72 and that's how many years it's going to take your money to double right so it really again this is math so this is not like wrong right. um it's just how much money did you start out with and how many years do you have left to live right right so if you start out with 20 million yeah that's fine yeah that's 40 million that's now 60 million that's fine, but twenty grand, forty grand, sixty, sixty grand. We're already thirty years. It's just, uh, it just takes a, a real long time to actually produce the fruit that people want, right? So, and not compounding is bad because compound interest is great, but it's more about how do we compound wealth, not not just you know an account. Exactly. Well, man, I love um, the concept of uh building wealth not getting rich quick uh not retirement planning uh, but what does it look like to create wealth and again i love this concept of a golden wheelchair i can't tell you how many folks i've met that finally retire and they realize the first trip overseas they fell down a flight of stairs and that was the last trip they ever took or whatever it might be but let me take a step back because i think it's important anybody listening uh to understand if you're looking um, to create wealth, if you think that that that, um, that chess might be a game for you, I'll, I'll say one more thing about what you do professionally. Then I want to get in. I want to learn from you because I think that's what's important too. You talk a little bit about something that you do that's a little different than other folks is you look at debt a little bit different. Talk to us about how you view debt. Yeah, I'm one of the few financial advisors that I I know that will say out loud that I love debt. Uh, <laughs> I think debt is fantastic. Um, as long as you use it right, you got to treat it like it's fire, right? Yep. If you use it controlled and appropriately, it will heat your house, cook your food, you know, perform good functions for you. Right. If you let it get out of control and kind of do whatever it's going to do, it'll burn everything to the ground, right? Yep. So, but it's a tool and used properly and appropriately can really amplify wealth. Um, so, and what that is, if you're a chess player, if you're a checkers player, you want to stay the hell out of that. You, you want to have everything paid off and, you know, and again, there's nothing wrong with it. You can have a, a good, happy life. You can be happy, right? With that lifestyle. It's just really difficult, in my opinion, you know, improbable to become wealthy because it will, with wealth, there has to be some, usually some kind of debt in the equation, but they kind of, they kind of built assets. Give us one little peek behind the curtain on the difference between, because you said it's like fire. Give us a little bit of insight in the difference of how do I use this controlled versus mm -hmm. how, how did this get out of control? Uh, or tell us a time when you've seen that happen. Pull the curtain back a little bit on, on that because I'm sitting here going, okay, 
how do I control versus uncontrol? Peer the curtain back a little bit on that. Yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, uh, you know, we, we hear that there's good debt and there's bad debt, but it's not that black and white, right? But we can all agree that running your credit card up at, you know, con with consumer products and all and, and having to pay that money back. Yeah, that's not going to help you build your wealth, right? That's not the type of debt I'm talking about. When I'm talking, hey, that's the fire, right? That That's like the that's like the forest fire. That gets out of control and kind of the high interest stuff. High interest yeah. debt fire is, is burning to the ground. Okay. Right. Yep. Now, the type of debt I'm talking about is using debt instead of using asset. You know, instead of using uh, your 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 wealth, your the okay. money you already made, yeah. right? Yeah. Your cash, right? Using debt instead of using that to purchase assets that are going to cash flow, whether it be real estate, whether that be a business, something that's going to bring more income into your life. Because yeah. I've got a record saying that um, investments don't make you rich. Income makes you rich. Income is what you use to purchase goods and services. So when you have a lot of that, you're, you're, yeah, you're in more of a driver's seat than you know, most people, you know, separates our firm from a lot of other firms is that we're, we're very big proponents of, uh, purchasing real estate. We're very big proponents of purchasing, uh, businesses. We just got to do it smartly because if you, you, if you have the assets and you don't use them and you use debt, you don't create taxable events. So that's another way of improving yeah. your wealth. Let me ask you two more questions and we're, we'll eventually, I want to get into some aha moments or one of those moments that may have shaped you, but I'll ask you two other questions. Sure. One, how would you define wealth? Because, you know, you say if you want to create wealth, that, you know, that's a pretty moving target. It's based on, you know, tomato, tomato, but like, wh what is wealth? Yeah, I would say it'd be, it would be different for everyone, but it's actually, it's having things, right? Having stuff that is going to work independently of you. Right. And it's going to bring you income that's going to make uh, have an enjoyment for you, not only you, but your heirs to building generational wealth. Uh, you know, it's stuff that goes up in value over time, not down in value over time. So, but how much wealth it will, you know, kind of depends on. I like that. Depends on who you are. Yeah. So, so wealth is, and I like that you expanded on it because. These things can get philosophical and, and emotional, but here's what wealth is. It's owning things that, it's mm -hmm. not things, it's owning things that produce mm -hmm. uh, income and go up in value. Yeah. That's so, it, so the big differentiator between income and wealth, we don't, we have, I mean, we have an income problem in the United States uh, for sure, but we don't have as big of an income problem as we have a Wealth, yep, yeah, right. Yep. That those those two gaps are completely Wait. different, right? Because for income, you have to do stuff, right? You have to produce goods and services. You have to do something to create, create income. When you have wealth, wealth kind of does it on its own, <laughs> right? Sure, in one form or one form or another, right? So, uh, yeah, it's just it's it's just different, and it's different for everybody. But we when I love what I think it's I think it's such a great way to frame. All right, my second question that was. How much money do you need to start activating to go from being an investor to a wealth creator? In all reality, uh, you, for real, like how much would you say like, because if, if you know, we're going to have 
thousands of people listen to this over, you know, over the months and years and everything else. And I want to mm. think of like, is it five grand? Is it 50 grand? Is it 500 grand? Like how much money does it meet? Does it take to get started creating wealth? I would say that it depends on what you're going to, what you're looking to purchase for, to help build your wealth. Right. So, um, I don't, in my opinion, I don't consider it debt when you can pay it off at any point in time. Yep. Right. So, so now that it, my opinion is left, right? So if you have, you know, $500,000 and you want to go buy a $200,000 piece of real estate and you're going to take out debt to do that, right? Some kind of debt instrument. You can pay the loan off at any point in time. Right. You don't want to. Right, exactly. You want somebody else to, you want the income from that property to pay off the debt for you because you get to keep all the, but you get to keep uh, most of the money that you ever, right? So once you get to that point where- Is that, the rule? Is that the rule? If you can pay it off, that's your entry point? Whatever you can pay off, that's your entry point? That I would, that's just, um, my, my opinion is you're, it's pretty comfortable at that point, yep. right? Leveraging, but you're not over leveraged because you could pay off a loan at any point in time. You just don't want to. And there's also a risk tolerance there, right? So someone has a million dollars and well, what, 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 what percentage of leverage are you comfortable with? Well, I'm comfortable with 30%. Okay. Well, it's $300,000. So it, it, that's wh where you are, right? So you're purchasing a $300,000 business or a $300,000 piece of real estate, something that's going to create income. Uh, How do people would say, you know, I would say that's a, um, I'm just kind of wrestling here with you and thinking through some things uh, to be able to pay something off. Like I'd say I like that because I'm, when it comes to money, I've been more risk adverse. I also have been mm -hmm. very diverse. So I've had mm -hmm. multiple companies generating multiple streams of income for me. So I pay off cars, pay off houses, paid off my second house, like all those things mm -hmm. that I've done. But I had an employee, still have an employee that worked for me that they would just leverage buy houses, leverage buy houses, and now they own seven homes. But it, it, they never could ever originally just pay off one of the houses. They got they just had enough money to get one, then just enough to get two. And now they have seven. They couldn't possibly pay all. I mean, I guess they might be able to pay them off now because they all it worked. Mm -hmm. The bet worked. But there's probably a, a case where I can't pay this off, but it's still a good, you know, opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it depends on your risk tolerance, right? So that person is probably leveraged a little bit further than than you were, right? But you gotta look at the chances, right? What are the chances of all those properties not producing at the same time, where they're not gonna be able to uh, make payments on uh, on mortgages or, you know, so there's, there's a certain amount of, you know, risk tolerance there, right? Uh, it just depends on how, how much you are willing to leverage. But the key is that, you know, it's, you are leveraging, right? So whether you're a little bit more conservative, conservative person, you know, it could be a lot more aggressive than someone who doesn't do anything, right? Exactly. Conservative person that's using leverage. Exactly. Um, but there's nothing wrong with the debt-free life. Uh, that's the way people want to go, right? But I'm just saying you got the, your expectation to be tamed on what that can look like and what kind of um, what kind of wealth can be passed down to the next generation using exactly. the strategy. Exactly. Man, I think it's so fascinating. I'm sure anybody listening to this, I think people have philosophical conversations about uh, wealth and wealth not being a Lamborghini or a jet 
uh, but about income generating assets. Wealth uh, is what whatever is paying for that Lamborghini. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, let's ask you a question. You went from an officer. Uh, was it a state trooper or a, lo or a local officer? Uh, yeah, I was a county police officer, Fairfax County, Virginia. Okay, so you were went from a police officer to a wealth advisor. Um, one thing we love to talk about here is kind of aha moments, maybe one of those moments that just transform your life. What happened in your life that was so transformable that you went from, like, listen, I, I have all the admiration for officers. Number one, because I, I get, I mean, I'd be scared to death, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I went a ride along once and I was like, man, you guys are gutsy. How do you go from yeah. that to wealth advisor? Talk to us a little bit about just what happened in your life. Oh, well, around uh, my 11th or 12th year on, on the police department, I, I wanted to make a switch. I wanted to go in, in, into financial planning. Uh, I also knew that the pension was really good. So uh -huh. staying until 20 uh, was 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 probably my family's best interest so uh but i wanted to start something small uh so i started a very small practice and it got very uh got pretty big pretty quickly because there was def a definite need for it in marketplace and i wanted to be able to, to develop a firm that was able to help out everybody you know whether okay. you have a billion dollars or you know just you know whatever uh we wanted to create something that could help everybody my aha moment is actually a pretty funny story. Uh, I'll try to make it as short as possible. Yeah. Um, my wife and I went on a vacation uh, to Miami. Okay. And it was like our first vacation away from like the babies, right? So just us, we, you know. We, so we went down to Miami and for it was freak. It was cold in Miami. And I don't mean like Florida cold. I mean like actually cold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we couldn't go to the beach, couldn't do and all of the typical Miami stuff. So uh, I just randomly found this double decker tour bus, okay. uh, Star Island, uh -huh. and we so we get on this tour bus and we're like thirty three years old. There's thirty four years old at that point in time, and uh, so we're the youngest people on the bus by probably around thirty years. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so we started taking this bus around Star Island, and they the the you know the tour guides being very funny, uh, you know, saying okay, this is Will. Smith's house, there's Jack's house, Taylor's house, well, you know, all these famous people. But then we got around the backside of the island, and there was this house that dwarfed everybody else's house. It was like the whole backside of the island. Yep. And we're like, whose house is this? And the tour guide said, well, if I said his name, you would probably wouldn't know who it was. But if you notice the palm trees, they're the tallest and stiffest on the island. This is the person who invented Viagra. <laughs> and the whole boss started laughing, right? You know, she thought she made a joke. She probably made it a million times. But the real joke came from the back of the bus. This guy, about 65 years old, stands up right in the middle of the bus and screams as loud as he could. He deserves every bit of this house. <laughs> the whole bus erupted in laughter. Little old ladies cheering and clapping. It was so awkward for, for me and my wife just sitting there like, oh, my God, this happened. That's when it hit Right, because here's a you know it's a regular guy taking this tour bus around Star Island, seeing this magnificent house, uh, and uh, he doesn't care that you know uh, Philip Frost owns this magnificent mansion on Star Island because Philip Frost brought value to his yeah. life. That's right, and so and that's what it hit me like, wow, if I can just create value mm -hmm. for people, they. They won't care how much money I make. They'll be happy 
that the wealth, you know, uh, is uh, accumulating in my life. And I took that kind of to everything I do now. And okay, how can I bring max value? And I don't worry about how much money I'm going to make because I just believe if you bring max value, it just kind of falls out of the sky. Man, that's so cool. It's so true too. And I think that, look, I'm so glad that you said that because if nobody listened to our pre-record, but you'll hear me as president of this organization say this over and over and over and over and over again. I've got two goals. We want to create as much value for our members as we can. And we're going to unapologetically ask our members to, to give as much value as they can. Because when that flywheel starts to happen, you, you know what you do? You have a bus on Miami. You have a bus on Miami that cheers because exactly what you just said, Freddie, where, I mean, you just, you just put a picture to my mantra. Nobody cares that that's the biggest house in Miami because of the value that it provided to somebody else. And mm. you just can't, you really, it's hard to put a dollar on value. You just know right. it. When you get. Mm. You know? Yeah. So, and it's when people think that you're taking something from them and you have that, you know, that, you know, magnificent house that that's when the, uh, the resentment comes from, right. But if you're creating value, you're making the world a better place for somebody. I'm easier way to go. Much easier to sleep at night too. Exactly. Freddie, this was awesome, man. We, we love to keep these 10, 15 minutes. We may have gone a little longer, but this was just mm -hmm. great chat and to hear your, I love talking about, um, money in a philosophical, more deep way. And so I love that you got to, to share that with us. Um, the way we ended with value. This is so great. I just want to say thank you, man, for taking time and sharing more about you. Um, we're going to have all this available online. We're also going to have uh, where people can contact you and get to know you more in your member profile. Uh, but thank you for taking time to do this with us today. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. All right, man, my pleasure.